If you enjoy listening to this podcast, we ask you to consider supporting it by making a one-time or reoccurring donation. Visit Mayflower's website at www.mayflowerucc.org and click on the Donate tab in the menu. Donations made to Mayflower's Communications Fund are tax-deductible and help ensure that this podcast is available. Thank you for your support. The sermon you are about to hear was preached at Mayflower Congregational UCC Church in Oklahoma City by the Reverend Dr. Lori Walkie, senior minister at one of America's premier liberal Protestant pulpits. At Mayflower, we are an open and affirming peace and justice church where we believe religion should be biblically responsible, intellectually honest, emotionally satisfying, and socially significant. We go now to the pulpit of Mayflower Congregational UCC Church of Oklahoma City and to the preaching and teaching of Reverend Dr. Lori Walkie. Good morning and welcome from Mayflower Congregational United Church of Christ where no matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. This morning we are so delighted to have as our guest preacher the Reverend Dr. Sarah Lund. Pastor Sarah is the UCC's Minister of Disabilities and Mental Health Justice and the Senior Minister at First Congregational UCC in Indianapolis. She is the author of widely regarded books on mental health that include Blessed Are the Crazy, Breaking the Silence Around Mental Health, Family, and Church, and Blessed Union, Breaking the Silence Around Mental Illness and Marriage. Let's give our widest, warmest welcome to Pastor Sarah. Will you pray with me? We are What attempt we're on, Holy One, but surely it's more than seven. On average, a person in an abusive relationship will attempt to leave seven times before finally leaving for good. Apparently, we're going to have to keep trying before America ends its relationship with the gun lobby. Like an abusive partner, they are trying everything to keep us from walking out. They want us to believe that mass shootings, school shootings, and revenge shootings are normal, and that seeing people walk around with AR-style guns in parks and in grocery stores and malls should not be a cause for alarm. They want us to think that it's everything but the guns. Mental health, race, gender, religion, socialization, you name it, everything but the guns. They say people are most at risk when they are closest to leaving. Perhaps this is why there's such frantic energy around protecting gun and ammunition dealers, manufacturers, and sellers against civil lawsuits. That is, of course, what happened in the Tennessee state legislature in the wake of the school shooting in Nashville. But you have told us to lay down our weapons, to beat our swords into plowshares, and to do the things that make for peace. In some ways, we feel like we're closer than we've ever been, Holy One, which is why the messaging is so scary. The most at-risk time is when someone is closest to leaving, so of course the gun lobby 
keeps trying to convince us that bad guys with guns will take over if there are no good guys with guns. How we are supposed to tell them apart isn't clear. Grant us courage, Holy One, to stay the course. Strengthen our resolve as we move towards universal background checks, passing red flag laws, and bans on assault weapons. May we not grow weary as we keep walking towards freedom and away from fear, manipulation, and violence. We pray in the name of Jesus, who we call the Prince of Peace, not the Prince of Pistols. Amen. Our scripture lesson this morning comes from the Gospel according to John chapter 14, verses 1 through 14. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, so that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will know my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. Jesus said to him, have I been with you all this time, Philip, and you still do not know me? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. But if you do not, then believe me because of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do and, in fact, will do greater works than these, because I am going to the Father. I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask, if in my name you ask me for anything, I will do it. Here ends the reading inspired by our tradition. May God grant to us wisdom and courage for interpretation. Thank you so much, Pastor Lori, for this wonderful invitation. Uh, may I say that you are a blessing to me as a sister in ministry, a blessing to this beloved congregation, and a blessing to the wider community for which you faithfully and courageously serve. Let's show our appreciation for Pastor Lori. Please join me in prayer. Gracious and loving God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be pleasing and glorifying to you. For you alone, O oh God, you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I bring you greetings from your siblings in Christ from the national setting of the United Church of Christ based in beautiful Cleveland, Ohio. 
where the General Minister and President, the Reverend John Dorhauer, and the Associate General Ministers, the Reverend Dr. Karen Georgia Thompson and the Reverend Tracy Blackman all bring you their greetings. I serve under the leadership of the Reverend Tracy Blackman, who I believe visited here a few years ago. I am on her team for justice and local church ministry in a new role created five years ago for disability and mental health justice. So we are one of, thank you, thank you, yes. We are one of the only Christian denominations to have an open and affirming setting of the church dedicated to disability ministries and mental health justice ministries. And so this is our community that we share together. I work with the UCC Mental Health Network and National Board of Leaders from across the country, and they've developed the WISE program, welcoming, inclusive, supportive, and engaged. And I want to congratulate you all on being a WISE congregation. Well done. I also work with the UCC Disabilities Ministries Board, another national board of volunteers, and they have created the A2A program, accessible to all, and I believe you are an A2A congregation. Congratulations. Now the real work begins. Living into these bold commitments. I'd also bring you greetings from my conference, the Indiana-Kentucky Conference, where I serve on the Open and Affirming team and the WISE team for mental health. And then I bring you greetings from my local church, where I serve as a senior pastor. Like Pastor Lori, I'm the first woman called to this historic church that was founded in 1875. And so we celebrate churches calling women as senior pastors. Thank you. So I realize that as I stand in this pulpit, I am connecting you to the entire body of Christ, that is UCC, 5,000 churches, and nearly a million people call UCC home. If the UCC were thought of in terms of real estate, the UCC would be a mid-century modern home <laughs> built on a foundation established by 17th century pilgrims. The UCC formed in 1957 as a collection of five streams, Congregational, Christian, Evangelical, Reformed, and the Afro-Christian. Just this past fall, on September 23rd of 2022, the UCC Historical Society Council voted to acknowledge for the first time in history the significance of the Afro-Christian churches in the UCC and their historical legacy. And they noted this in particular. The Afro-Christian conference emerged out of a dehumanizing system of chattel slavery in 1867, and it left balconies of the white churches. It was because the white founders of the Christian denomination opposed the system of slavery, but the white Southern Christian convention did not and they did not embrace Afro-Christians as equals. And that is part of our UCC history. You can read more about it in the new book that is forthcoming about the Afro-Christian convention. So we are a denomination of diversity and of historic firsts. 
We were the first to ordain a woman, the first to ordain an openly gay man, the first Christian church to affirm same gender couples to marry, and we were at the forefront of the anti-slavery movement and the civil rights movement. But did you know we were also at the forefront of the disability rights movement in the United States? The UCC minister, the Reverend Dr. Harold Wilkie, was an active advocate and part of the work to pass in 1990 Americans with Disability Act. So I stand here on the shoulders of Reverend Dr. Harold Wilkie, who was born without arms, but whose family raised him and advocated for his full inclusion in public schools. There's a story that when he visited his college campus, he was shown the cafeteria and it, he was pointed to the kitchen where he was told he could eat because he used his toes to hold utensils. But that did not stop Harold Wilkie from going into his education to get his doctorate and become an ordained minister. When he met with the Committee on Ministry about his call to be ordained, to do baptisms, the sacrament of communion, the committee questioned his ability, saying, how can you baptize and do communion without arms? But he knew he was called, and eventually they trusted him to be able to fulfill this calling. So there he stood in 1990 on the White House lawn next to the president, and he signed the ADA with his toes, learning how to write with his toes as a small child under his mother's loving care. And then in 2015, the UCC, we became the first denomination to adopt mental health as a leading mission and ministry of the church. And so now, as a wise congregation, you are part of the mental health and disability justice movement as an A to A and a wise church. Welcome. Welcome to the movement. There are over 50 congregations throughout the country who are wise and many more in the process. They're growing every day. So thank you, Mayflower, for being a part of the UCC here in Oklahoma, here in this city, as you support the UCC through your gifts to our church's wider mission. Thank you. Thank you for being a prophetic witness to the revolutionary love of Jesus here in Oklahoma City. Your mission and ministry are important today like never before. We live in a time where mass shootings play out in one country while at the same time a king is coronated in another. And we know that people with mental health challenges are more likely to be the victims of gun violence than the perpetrators. We live in a time where families with transgender youth are frantically figuring out how to flee states in one part of the country, while at the same time the governor of another state is signing into law to provide refuge for trans kids and their families inviting them to flee to their state from places that criminalize parents of trans kids for allowing them to receive gender-affirming care. We are living in a time where one day in Oklahoma, a death row inmate's execution is blocked, while at the same time in Oklahoma, over 2,300 transgender youth, ages 13 to 17, they are blocked from getting gender-affirming care. 
And so here in the midst of all of this are you, good people of Mayflower, called to be beloved community for such a time as this. So thank you. Thank you for being open and affirming for the LGBTQ plus community. Thank you for your commitments to justice and peace. Thank you for being accessible to all. Thank you for being wise. Thank you as a people for following the prophet Micah, who when asked, what does God require of us? Micah says, to do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with God. Thank you for how you are living out this teaching of the Bible. Thank you for providing an alternative to Christian nationalism. Thank you for caring more about the power of love than the love of power. Oklahoma City needs more Jesus followers like you who are committed to lifelong learning, selfless love and compassion. Faith communities, this is the place where we can nurture these values at such a critical time in our nation's history. Amen. Because America has a problem. Yes. Too many hearts are troubled and hope, well, it can be hard to find. According to the National Alliance on Mental Illness in their February report of 2021, here in Oklahoma, nearly 50% of adults have symptoms of anxiety and depression. And of those folks, one-third of them were unable to get the counseling and therapy they needed. When our hearts are troubled by anxiety and depression, hope can be hard to find. Here in Oklahoma, seven in ten youth in the juvenile justice system have a mental health condition. There is a mental health crisis in our nation, and the Surgeon General just released an advisory that we are in an epidemic of loneliness and isolation. Hope can be hard to find. Loneliness is defined this way. Have you ever felt it? An unpleasant, often distressing feeling of lack of connection to other people. A desire for more more satisfying social relationships. Have you ever felt lonely? Well, how do we measure loneliness? UCLA created a loneliness scale. So right here in church, I'm going to ask you to take this scale. How often do you feel that you are in tune with the people around you? How often do you feel that no one really knows you well? How often do you feel you can find companionship when you want it? How often do you feel that the people are around you but not with you? How lonely are you? Many hearts are troubled and hope can be hard to find. We know that people living with disabilities and mental health challenges because of the stigma, discrimination, shame, and isolation can experience higher rates of loneliness. This idea of a troubled heart, it isn't some biblical poetry, it's science. 
Mental health is an important part of overall health. Mental health is your emotional, psychological, social well-being. Your mental health impacts how you think, feel, act, and make choices. Studies have shown that the impact of trauma, depression, anxiety, stress on the body, it stresses the heart. That our minds and bodies and spirits are interconnected. If you happen to have a mood disorder, such as major depression, bipolar disorder, anxiety disorders, or post-traumatic stress disorder, you will have a greater risk of heart disease. I know this because my father, who was a successful veterinarian, he lost everything to his untreated bipolar disorder. And he died prematurely in his early 60s from a massive heart attack. But I know that the cause of my father's death was his untreated mental illness, even though it was his heart that stopped working. My father's mental illness made it impossible for him to be in relationship with meaning. And so his mind needed support that he did not receive. And this was my father my entire life growing up. And so for me, as a minister of the gospel, my spiritual life has been shaped by this truth of mental illness. And while I was wrestling with where was God in the midst of my father's mental illness, I didn't know where to turn. My father's disease was significant. It caused him to have symptoms such as delusional thoughts, and neglect us as his family. I looked everywhere for comfort. I looked for hope. I looked for love. I looked for a way to not feel so alone. Have you ever felt that way? With this broken, angry, angsty heart, I went off to college, and I was certain there was no God. Certain that if my father's love could not save me, then how could a father God? My father, by this point in my life, was homeless. And at this time, my brother was in a psychiatric hospital, and my cousin was on death row. And there in college, by the grace of God, I found myself at a Bible study, sitting on a grubby dorm room carpet. It was blue and there was nothing more to lose. Who was I anyways, but some crazy homeless man's daughter, some suicidal UCLA grad student's sister, and some murderer's cousin? I was searching for who I was in a world of suffering, and I didn't know that I was living with symptoms of complex post-traumatic stress disorder from my childhood of adverse childhood experiences that so many people experience. So in that raw and open-hearted place, I encountered in this Bible study, again for the first time, the person of Jesus. And in Jesus, I found a heart of compassion that I had so longed to know for myself. It was during this time of re-engaging in what Christianity meant to me that I saw a vision. 
It was a bright light radiating out of Christ's heart. And within that heart, there was enough love to hold the entirety of the world's suffering. When we read the Bible today, I encourage us to read the Bible through this lens of this enormous love that can hold all of the loneliness and all of the suffering of the world. In the scripture today, the disciples are hearing a hard truth from Jesus. He's about to leave them. He's off to go be arrested and executed. And if I'm honest with you, it's a hot mess. And so Jesus responds to the group's anxiety by saying to them, do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. If this were a group text, Jesus would be saying to his friends, it's okay to not be okay. Jesus invites the disciples to trust in him in this difficult time. Just because everything is changing, his love is not changing. Jesus wants them to know that love is patient, love is kind, love hopes all things, love believes all things, love never ends. And so Jesus doesn't tell the disciples to snap out of it. Jesus gives them permission to feel human, to feel depressed and anxious. It is troubling when we can't make things better in our lives. It is troubling when the world seems to be falling apart. It is troubling when we wait in the ER for our child to recover from a drug overdose again and again. The point of this gospel lesson is that Jesus loves his friends. He loves them and he wants to comfort them. And perhaps that is the most important message for us today. That even though everything is changing, love never ends. And I want to encourage you to base your faith on this truth. Our hope is found in this never-ending love of God. That nothing in all of creation can separate you from the love of God. So when our hearts are broken open by the injustices of the world, when doom scrolling consumes us, here Mayflower is to share this gospel of the good news of our God's love. And I believe that you, Pastor Lori, and this church, you are the flower blooming in the desert. I love that you are committed to being beloved community. Mayflower, this is where hope blooms. You are like the bright yellow flower bursting forth out of a prickly pear cactus. <laughs> you are adaptable, you have medicinal properties, you grow in full sun and dry sandy soil. The yellow bloom on the prickly pear cactus is known as a symbol of hope and endurance in harsh conditions. Mayflower and Pastor Lori, that's you. Be bold. Let your hope bloom. Stand up for what is right. Do not be afraid. At a time in our society where there's so many divisions, 
Be a place where we can come together and engage. Let hope bloom by fostering connections among a lonely society of diverse people, creating meaningful relationships. And let hope bloom at a time when so many of us are feeling troubled, lonely, anxious, depressed, and having suicidal thoughts. Whether you have a diagnosis or not, see a therapist or not, take psychiatric medications or not, let hope bloom. You can love Jesus and your therapist. No matter your disability or mental health status, no matter your gender identity or sexual identity, your economic status, your zip code, your ethnicity, your citizenship, what matters most is that we choose love. And in that choice, hope blooms like a yellow flower on a prickly pear cactus growing out of the dry soil here in the Oklahoma sun. May it be so. Thanks be to God. Amen. You've been listening to the preaching and teaching of Reverend Dr. Lori Walkie, Senior Minister at Mayflower Congregational UCC Church in Oklahoma City. More information about the church can be found at www.mayflowerucc.org or by visiting Mayflower's Facebook page. Worship services are every Sunday at 10 a.m., with Sunday school classes for all ages at 9 a.m. Mayflower is located on Northwest 63rd Street in Oklahoma City, one block west of Portland. Thank you for listening.